the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. You listen, and I'll do my very, very best to get you as much content as I can that'll help you. Um, you want some feedback? Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. I can always use thoughts on where you want me to take the show in the future. Jobless claims fell to an eight-week low. The number of Americans filing new applications for unemployment benefits fell last week, the lowest level in eight weeks. Again, labor market continues to strengthen. That's why the Fed is likely to raise interest rates either at this meeting the October meeting or the December meeting. I'd like to see them get it done because it feels like there's been a threat. Will they or won't they for just too damn long? It's exhausting. The housing market's still rolling. In August, housing starts uh, declined by 3%, less than 3.5% decline that was expected. But building permits rose 3.5%, uh, which topped expectations of a 2.5% increase. Uh, the rise in permits hits a new post-crisis high. GM's going to have to pay $900 million in criminal settlement over the ignition switch problems that they had that led to the deaths of maybe 124 people. Apple wants you to start leasing a phone. That's right. 32 bucks a month, you get the latest 16-gigabyte version of the iPhone. You get a new phone next year. It's the game. Facebook's new ad service to charge only after the full scroll happens. Uh, new the new service called 100% of View Impressions will include text, photo, length, and video ads. That's a company that's getting it absolutely right. The NFL and Snapchat have teamed up to make sharing content easier. I like that. Snapchat's really getting into content quite smartly. Um, Oracle, they beat on earnings, but not revenue. Uh, no revenue estimates. So... I'd prefer you go after a different company. Um, I'm not saying that you can't make money on Oracle, but I think there's other companies like Salesforce that are a little bit more interesting. Amazon announced a new $50 tablet, but get this. If you buy a six-pack 
you get five and you get one free. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, business Expo coming up. Let's talk a little Business Expo action. Joining me now, Zach Lesberg, CEO and producer of Small Business Expo. It's coming to the Bay Area. How are you, Zach? Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Tell us about when the expo is coming. Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much uh, for having me on the show, and thank you for being a partner of the Small Business Expo. We are coming to Fort Mason this Thursday, and it's from 930 to 4. Who ends up going to these expos? It's for anybody who owns a small business, entrepreneurs, startups, anyone that works for a small business. Somebody has a, a dream of one day starting a small business, they'll also come to it to learn. A wide variety of people that come to it. I started a small business 20 plus years ago, and the one thing I regret is I didn't do more networking. Is this more of a networking event or an exhibition event? Is it more of a training? It is one day. It's just a huge day of everything. Um, It is a very, very large networking event. Uh, We do have a lot of activities that encourage networking, like speed networking, which is kind of like speed dating, but it's speed networking. We also have a lot of exhibitors that are showcasing products and services that can help your business. And those exhibitors can range anything from a small mom, mom and pop all the way up to the Facebooks and Googles of the world. It's basically anyone that has a product or service for the business world. And then we also have a whole workshop series, and there's about 30-plus workshops, and everything at the show is completely free. So we encourage anybody that has a small business or is looking to start a small business to come to this. And again, it's at Fort Mason, which is a lovely location, and a lovely location with plenty of parking, which is kind of nice in a scenario like this. Absolutely. People can sign up for the event at kdow.biz. It's pretty easy to find the information at kdow.biz tied towards the Small Business Expo. It kind of sells itself. It's set. It's September 17th, Thursday from 9.30 to 4. Anything else that you can tell me about the expo that you find important to pass on? Definitely register in advance so you don't have to wait in line. Just like you said, go go to your website and register. But really, come to learn. Bring lots of business cards. People meet so many different people at the show. Long-lasting relationships that will help your business grow and have a great time. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun, and it's, in, it's just one day. Uh, so make sure you come out. Are there any speakers that are coming, Zach, that kind of intrigue you or maybe have some sizzle for selling the event? Definitely, you know, there's a lot of great speakers on marketing. A lot of businesses struggle with marketing their own business because they only have a very shoestring budget. So we have lots of great workshops that specifically talk about how to market your business and get more customers on that small budget. But really, there's just so many different workshops. A lot of people complain that too many going on in one day, which is not a bad problem to have, but you can't go to all of them. So you want to use your time wisely. Speaking to Zach Lesberg, CEO and producer of Small Business Expo, this Thursday at Fort Mason, September 17th from 930 to 4. You can sign up at kdow.biz. One of the interesting things from looking over some of the information is tied towards social media. Social media is really hit or super miss for most companies. You know, I've got a Facebook page that eh, it's kind of anemic <laughs> and I, I could probably use something. So that's probably one of the things that I would focus in on probably, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's actually, there's companies that also exhibit that can help you with that. And, you know, also there's lots of attendees. And, and one thing that's very, that we're very proud of actually is there's something called Get Dotted at our show. Uh, people actually walk in and they put a colored dot on their, um, on their clothes that signifies what their specialty is. Okay. So you would walk in and you'd put a dot on your on your clothing. And so if you need help with social media, those are the kinds of people you should probably be meeting with and looking for. I know you saw the recent story about a Syrian refugee uh, or a Syrian man who had a little child on his shoulder and he was selling pens on the street. And a photographer took a heart-wrenching <laughs> photo of it. And next thing you know, he was 
asking for crowdfunding for the dad for like $5,000. And it pulled in over 150000 and it's still growing. So I bring that up because some of the seminars are tied towards crowdfunding. Now, you don't have to do it for solving the world's problems. Maybe you do it for helping your business grow or attract an audience or for a marketing idea that you have. So I'm, I'm fascinated by the social side as well as the crowdfunding because I look at crowdfunding and I'm like, no one would ever invest in my idea, uh, but maybe they would. Absolutely, and there are. There definitely are workshops that are show about that. Even people are, are looking to invest or people that are looking to raise money. Uh, I mean, that's the whole point of the show. There's something for everybody. And uh, one of the other seminars is about labor laws, which 10 years ago I was kind of apathetic about. But yeah. as I've grown, I'm like, I should be paying attention to what is what are labor laws and sexual harassment. or Exactly. What? It's an unfortunate part of uh, running a business, that's for sure. Okay, well, Zach, uh, I'm speaking with Zach Lesberg, CEO and producer of Small Business Expo. Anything else that we need to know? No, I really appreciate uh, you partnering with us, though. Thank you. You've been a huge help uh, promoting it. Thanks very much, Zach. It's Zach Lesberg, CEO and producer of the Small Business Expo. If you've never been to an expo, it's kind of intimidating, but it's good for so many reasons. You could practice your speaking skills. If you're starting a business, you're going to have to speak to a lot of people. You're going to have to sell them what you are trying to accomplish. It's great for networking. It's great for hey, that company's doing that really well. I'm not saying go and copy it and do it, but maybe it sparks an idea of how you could be doing something a little different. Again, I don't get crowdfunding. I wish I did. I get branding of business. That's why you would exhibit. It's an interesting way to get some new customers. And again, it's the Small Business Expo in San Francisco, San Francisco Small Business Expo, Thursday, September 17th, from 9.30 to 4 p.m. at the Fort Mason Festival Pavilion. You can sign up at kdow.biz, but it is free to, to attend 25 workshops, panel discussions, 100 exhibits, reach local, Yahoo, Vistaprint, Facebook, a lot of good names are going to be there. So Molson Coors, they would likely benefit if SAB Miller and Anheuser-Busch kind of get together. Why would they benefit? Because Anheuser-Busch would have to spin off some assets to them probably for a dime. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money investing and more. Anything you want to talk about, we've talked about. Jobless claims fall to an eight-week low. It's kind of nice. The housing starts numbers were good. Steph Curry got a new deal with Under Armour, including equity. That stock has hit a recent all-time high. Facebook's getting ready to launch a social platform for work. That's going to be interesting as they go after Slack and they go after Microsoft. Um, <clears throat> Budweiser Miller merger could be the best thing to happen for craft beer, but also Molson Coors because they'd be able to pull up um, some assets probably pretty cheap that uh, the, the big two giants would have to spin off. GM spending about $900 million to settle criminal settlement over the ignition switch issues. 
that's actually good for the stock, believe it or not, because we no, now no longer wonder how much it's going to be. We can now start to deal with it. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial. Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Bring in CFP, Chad Burton, to talk about a problem that the Bay Area has. A lot of rich valuation companies. Uh, one of the things they do is give their employees ESPPs, RSUs, options, employee stock purchase plans, and the taxes on these ramifications, they have to play out some way. It's a lot to get to know, and it's pretty intimidating for me as a, a radio host who's been doing this a long time. What do we need to know, Chad? Well, first of all, you have to set a plan in terms of what's right for you and the amount of company stock that you should be holding. Um, now, you know, obviously, people have become wealthy because of concentrated stock positions of companies that have gone public, and they've become you know, well-paid as a result of that, but you can also look in uh, you know, the tech bubble burst and see the complete opposite of it. So you know, as you get close to retirement, if you, you know, get within that you know, 10 year from retirement, if you're owning 5% or more of the company stock, the same company that pays you, that has your 401k match and everything else, it's, it's, it's danger. It's danger time. Um, and because it's 20 to 40% stock market corrections or company corrections, if they don't hit a product right or something bad happens, um, you know, it, it's common and that's too, too much risk to take. Let's let's first start with restricted stock or RSUs because that is the most common type. Really, the non-quals and the incentive stock options aren't being issued as much anymore because they're accounting problems. Restricted stock, you are granted a certain amount of RSUs, and as they vest, they become fully taxable to you as ordinary income. And usually, you just let's say they'll give you let's say 100 shares, but they'll sell. 20 shares in order to pay the taxes, right? And that oh. automatically happens. There is no tax strategy reason for continuing to hold RSUs. There's no reason for it. If you're already overweight in that company's stock and you don't want any more, as they vest, sell them and immediately reinvest it in a diversified portfolio. There's no tax planning involved there. As they vest, they're taxable. Sell them move on. Okay. Now, if you're younger, obviously you can let your your exposure to that company, especially if you're you think it's a great company and you really want to, you know, get, I don't mind getting it up to 10% or so if it's a really good company. Um ESPPs, that's another way to get a discount on your company's stock. ESPPs, you have to realize and there's a download on this. It's really confusing to talk about on radio, but you get a discount on the price. And that discount you'll always pay a regular income tax on. And in order to qualify the most of the future gains for 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 uh, capital gains, the lower tax bracket, there's a certain holding period. So just to, on a basic, you want to start trimming those if you're overweight in the company stock. You if they're up in value and they have gains, you want to basically hold them for about two years. There's an 18-month time frame, but and you can read about it. Go to newfocusfinancial.com in the resource section. There's a bunch of stuff on ESPPs. But there is a tax strategy to maximize or minimize the taxes, rather, with Employee Stock Purchase Program. Um, if it's a company that's flat or going down, if it's going down, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> but if it's flat, you can still make the purchase, get the discount, turn around, immediately sell them if you want. Now, non-qualified stock options, there's there's nothing you can do tax-wise. As you, when you exercise them, they're fully taxable. And so there's not a lot of reason to exercise and hold them. What you have to do is make sure you're keeping an eye on your expiration dates. I've seen situations where people forget about their expiration dates, Rob, and they're a high-level executive, and they've forgotten about their expiration date, and they're about to expire, 
but they are also in a point in time where they're not allowed to sell the stock because of blackout periods. So they're forced to buy and hold it. And then if that's late in the year, you pay the taxes in, in the current year, but you can't sell until the future year. That reminds me of 2000, 2001, where people exercised and held, had a huge tax bill, and then the market fell apart. They had nothing, but they still owed taxes. So you have to watch your expiration dates, and there's a whole bunch on non-qualified stock options as well. Incentive stock options, that's where it gets tricky. That's where it becomes tax planning, you know, sure. not tax planning 101, but it's big time because you got alternative minimum taxes. You can exercise and hold them. It's not taxable at the ordinary income tax level. If you hold them for the longer of uh, uh, two years, one year from exercise, two years from grant, then they can qualify for capital gains. But that initial exercise can be subject to AMT, and then AMT has dual cost basis stuff. So anyways, you got to get a good certified financial planner and a good CPA as a team to model your exercise strategy. you got to be aware of the leverage. There's a lot of leverage. So when you're younger, you want the leverage. But when you're older, you don't want the leverage as much and that extra risk. So an older person might, if they have directly held stock and and leveraged options, they might reduce their leveraged options first. A younger person, if they want to diversify out of the company's stock but they want the leverage, they might sell their direct stock first and hold on to the leveraged options. So it's really based on your age, your risk tolerance, um, you know, that, that same old you know, boilerplate stuff that advisors have to say, but you have to come up with a plan. You really do. You do need a plan. ESPPs, RSUs, options, employee stock purchase plans. I've seen people let their options expire worthless. It's crazy how tough this is for people to put their heads around. Contact a CFP. You can find Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So this is Fed Day, which basically means a couple more hours. And the Federal Reserve is going to tell us, will they or won't they raise interest rates? I wish I wish it was that dramatic. Um, winners are home sellers. Though it's a bit counterintuitive. Higher interest rates could actually be good for home sales at the beginning of any period rate increase. It can cause a flurry of activity as buyers look to get in a home before future rate hikes hit. Um, home buyers are winners. It's also worth noting that even a small rate increase happens. Uh, we're still near historical lows, so it's not like buyers will be priced out of home ownership overnight. Um, shoppers with good credit, as long as you've got good credit history, you should still expect to see 0% annual percentage rate promotions on credit card and car dealerships and furniture stores. Uh, that may change a little bit over time if the cost of credit goes up too high for these guys. Some losers will be savers in the world of low interest rates. Uh, since the Great Recession, banks suffered low margins on loans to prop up those interest margins. Banks will likely hike lending rates while leaving rates on CDs and other deposits pretty much so flat going forward. Um, if you've got variable rate data, uh, debt, that's going to be a loser. And mortgage holders who haven't refied, I'd get that done sooner than later if you've been thinking about it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Chris Siaccia, tech editor with thestreet.com. Great website with all sorts of content for people to chew on that really does everything well, financial. Chris, Apple released an operating system update yesterday. Uh, mover and shaker, or just a little bit better? As with all things that Apple does with its uh, OSs, it's always just a little bit better. It's not going to be anything that's you know really game-changing, but it'll continue to make you know your life a little bit easier. And that's something that Apple is always increasingly focused on, is making things easier and easier to use. This way people continue to buy iPhones and iPads. And, you know, I've played around with it, you know, for the past 24 hours or so. I've already found that it's made my life, you know, a little bit easier, and I suspect, you know, that other users will as well. Yeah, I, too, uh, jumped online yesterday about 11 o'clock our time, uh, 11 in the morning our time, and... Uh... Had to wait. Had to wait a little bit because they're having some issues. But then got it up, got it going. It was easy. Didn't really notice much of a change. I've been told longer battery life. Um, everything looks a little more polished. Everything looks a little faster. But uh, no super feature that's a, a killer must-have, is there? The thing that I, I'm particularly interested in, I guess maybe that's just because I'm a journalist, is the Apple News app. You're kind of put, you know, I think it's, close to or more than 50 news partners now that have partnered with Apple to to put all their content in the app uh and we'll see how the business model for that continues to develop over time but I think that's something that I think people are going to find interesting and you know considering that we all read on our phones and tablets I think that's something that you know will continue to show increased engagement over time um and you know, the updates to Siri now, I I think, are you know a little bit more um, interesting than what we've seen in the past. Now it can make you know recommendations, you know, for app usage based off time of day. Uh, the it's essentially always on, so it doesn't need to be plugged in to say, "Hey Siri," and you don't have to hit the button. So I think there, and I think you know by having a proactive Siri and the news app, I think those are things that are, you know, incrementally better than what we saw on iOS 8. And I think, you know, it just shows that Apple is not done innovating in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Um, the news app, I'm just taking a look at it, that one right now. And that did get some pretty nice reception because it's got New York Times, Wall Street Journal, uh, BuzzFeed. It's got things that we actually use. Is is that Apple making kind of an advertising play? Are they... Do you think it'll go down to subscription down the road for these this content? Because that's some pretty good content, the Wall Street Journal and, and New York Times. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Apple does have a small advertising division. I think last year's revenue was, you know, like around $500 million or so. So it's a drop in the bucket for Apple. Um, but I think, you know, it'll help the publishers in the sense that, okay, all the content is located in one place, you know, similar to, something like a flipboard, um, but given the fact that there are hundreds of millions of people who use iDevices, you know, if you're looking for that content, you don't have to go to seven or eight different websites uh, or, you know, or how many you use it, and it's all right there, laid out, polished for you. And Apple is going to have a revenue split with, with the, the publishers for ads, 
So I, I don't think it's something that's going to, you know, Apple is going to be, you know, really dominant in the advertising space. That's never been their their game. I think it's more of just about people being sticky on iOS and continuing to buy iDevices. Speaking with Chris Siaccio, tech editor of thestreet.com. He's been covering Apple pretty closely in the past couple of weeks with the rollout of the new phones. Now with the rollout of the new software, one of the things they did mention, I think it was last week, Chris, was that they have a new business model coming down the road. Um, and you've recently wrote a piece about it, you know, basically the iPhone as a service business. Um, and it's a pretty big bet. This is a, this is one of those things where if you want a wow out of Apple, no one, you know, oohed and awed. But the news is a pretty big trillion-dollar play. Yeah. Initially, when they announced it, I kind of glossed over it um, just because I was simply focused on the products that they were announced. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that this really is a significant thing for them because they become less focused on sales in any quarter, and it's more about just kind of smoothing out revenue over time and – that's something that investors, I think, are going to be exceptionally, you know, happy with. And I think you've already started to see some of that, you know, baked into the stock price, you know, over the past week or so since the announcement. You know, shares are up, you know, I think roughly around 5 or 6% uh, since the iPhone announcement, which generally, you know, shares kind of like trail off a little bit after the announcement. But then, you, you know, they'll see a month or two months down the line, they'll rise a little bit, not to the extent that we've seen so far. So I think investors are already starting to realize that this is less about, okay, however many iPhones we sell in a quarter, and it's more about, okay, how much money can we actually make in a quarter and how much cash flow we can have in a quarter. And I think that's something that Apple and investors are going to be pleased with going in the future. To give uh, our listeners a little more color, basically Apple's created a way for people to finance their iPhones by creating a lease program called the Apple Upgrade Program, which turns Apple into like a bond-like source of cash. Uh, consumers would agree to pay $32 a month for a 16-gigabit phone. They get the latest phone, they get the warranty, they get the right to upgrade the latest handset in a year. Um, pretty cool as far as a, a innovative way to get people even hooked into their ecosystem with a car payment, with a house payment, with a phone payment. I like it. Yeah, I, I think that's something that, you know, as Apple continues to, to figure out new ways to sell more iPhones, it's not just going to be about, you know, the latest and greatest iPhone and causing people, you know, millions of people to, to rush out to upgrade. I mean, investors will obviously still always focus on that, but I think over time we'll continue to see more and more focus on, okay, Apple really is this giant cash cow and, you know, subscription businesses, you know, like I mentioned in the piece, like Salesforce or Workday, they're given higher earnings multiples because investors have some visibility on what they can generate in revenue and cash flow. And I think that's something that's always kind of been like the bear case for Apple. It's like, okay, well, what have you done for me lately? And I think that Apple is going to show that, okay, bears, you know, People love our phones. People love our devices. And now we're really going to show just how strong and powerful this business is. And I think that's going to you know, cause some serious upside in shares. Anything else that we need to get know about Apple at this point in time? You know, I thought it was interesting that Tim Cook went on uh, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert uh, earlier in the week 
and Colbert asked about the car, and Tim did not, you know, categorically deny it. So I think, you know, given the fact that we've seen, you know, a whole bunch of reports and rumors and speculation around the Apple car and the fact that Tim was on Colbert earlier in the week and the week before they made an Apple car joke at the event, I think only adds fuel and speculation to the fire that Apple eventually will come out with its own car. How about Apple's uh, focusing on a car? Would it still be wise to develop their own, or should they try to make some sort of partnership with someone like a Tesla? You know, people bandied out for years that Apple should buy Tesla, and I know that there were conversations between Apple's head of M&A and Elon Musk. Nothing ever came of that, and who knows whether it was Apple actually, you know, buying Tesla or maybe you know, potentially partnering with Tesla's Gigafactory or maybe just, you know, a quick coffee chat just to say hello. It's anybody's guess, you know, what actually took place in that conversation. But I think Apple, given the fact that they've generally liked to do things their own way, they'll go out and they'll buy some small things that, you know, or, you know, where maybe they don't have some expertise and bring in some of the experts and best people in the world. But I think Apple eventually probably just, you know, goes out and builds their own car. Would the margins be good enough in a car? Because manufacturing is not sexy currently in the car industry as far as profit margins go. And one of the reasons to love Apple is those health, healthy margins. It seems like it would dampen business as far as margins goes. I think part of the reason why margins in the auto industry are so thin, you know, when you take a look at companies like GM or, or Ford, is that a lot of what that goes into the car, GM and Ford aren't producing. So if you take a look at Tesla's margins, Tesla's margins are fairly high. I think they're roughly around 25%, you know, give or take a couple of points. And that's because a lot of what they do, they do in-house, and that allows them to keep costs, um, you know, constrained. And in that case, I think, you know, Apple really is, you know, the best at maximizing and squeezing every dollar out and having high margins. So I suspect that if Apple didn't think it was, you know, accretive and beneficial for them, they wouldn't do it. Thanks very much. It's Chris Siaccia with thestreet.com. He is the tech editor. Good website, lots of content, lots of stories, um, a lot of opinion pieces. Uh, I, I highly endorse getting as educated as you can. Um, and kind of get a good feel for what's going on out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. And if you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing in more.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. One of the heaviest shorted companies, shorted mean people bet that it's going to go lower. You typically invest and you think things are going to go higher. You're long the stock, but when you're short the stock, you do it the other way around. When you're long a stock, you buy it now and you want to sell it later. When you short a stock, you essentially sell it now and agree to buy it later. Um, shares of the leading satellite radio company, uh, Sears Satellite Radio, Sears XM, bottomed at about five cents in 2009. And they've roared back, all things considered, um, as cars started to get connected with satellite radio. They got a lot of new initiatives. The big question now is down the road is what are they going to do after Howard Stern leaves or dies or gets old or moves on? And what is the future of streaming? Um, Apple wants to get their operating system, Google does too, into your car. In theory, instead of paying 20, 25, 30 bucks for Sirius, you'll want to say, hey, I'll pay $9.99 for my Apple Music or my Spotify, whatever it is. So that's a question that you have to be looking at and going, hmm. Um, something you always, again, my, my job is to always to get you to start thinking about things. Um, and maybe see things before they happen. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Stock market's been largely range-bound today ahead of the expect, the expected release of notes from the Federal Open Market Committee. Will they raise interest rates? If it was just jobs, certainly. But they also have to factor in some other decisions tied towards uh, lack of inflation. But do you wait till there's inflation, or do you fight it before it comes? If there was a right answer, you know, we'd all be rocket scientists. Um, but then also there's a, a the decision on the world markets are, are struggling. Um, I think America's stock market is good. It's not great. It's a little tired as far as the bull market goes. Europe looks like a much better deal to me right now if I had to pick just one. Fortunately, I don't. But if I had to, I would say that the Kardashian Jenner sisters' new websites exposed nearly 900,000 users' data, which scares me because it's a new website and they've already got 900,000 users. Uh, once again, I wasn't on the Ashley Madison, Ashley Madison fiasco, nor am I one of the 900,000 users of the Kardashian Jenner uh, sites. So that's good to know, right? Herman Miller, the furniture retailer. Handily beat expectations on both its top and bottom lines. Herman Miller says its profit rose despite being hurt. Um, by unfavorable exchange rates. Oracle, they reported a fiscal first quarter profit that beat expectations by a penny, but revenue came in a little light. Oracle blames the strong dollar for the shortfall. The company says it got a boost from a 29% increase in sales of its cloud-based products. Manchester United, the famous British soccer team had a smaller-than-expected loss in the quarter, and revenue also topped expectations. Manchester United says sponsorship revenue rose 14%, and its social media following increased by a whopping 50% to more than 100 million followers. Um, 
there's a biotech company called Regenex Bio. Regenex Bio. They have their first day of trading on the NASDAQ. Um, priced $22, well above the $17 to $19. It's a company that's developing gene therapies to treat serious diseases. Um, first trade went off at 30 So they wanted to raise 18 Then they got up to 22 And the trade, buy and sells, pushed it all the way up to 30 Now, when you look at biotech companies, this is something you have to be kind of honest with yourself about. They don't have earnings, a lot of them. And they're developing therapies, but there's no evidence yet that those therapies are going to work. But it's worthy of note. Amazon is rolling out a $49 mass market tablet. What's interesting is they're going to try to sell a six-pack of basically $50 targets uh, tablets. Seven-inch widescreen, front and back camera. There's one part of the tablet that's growing right now, and that's the sub-$100 tablets. Analysts said there are few comparable tablets that cost as little as the new Fire. The device comes with a quad-core processor and 12-gigabyte storage. Um, consumer electronics and what the demand is right now is cheaper. Um, so they're going to sell six, buy five, get one free, so you can buy a six-pack. Um, a lot of people look at a $50 tablet as a gateway drug for Amazon to attract new customers to Prime. A $99 a year shopping program estimated to have about 40 million global members. The potential to draw more customers may appease investors, but could prove costly if Amazon fails to sell large volumes. Um, Amazon has been kind of hit or miss so far with some of their consumer electronics. Um, they also have a $99 Fire TV set-top box integrating with its cloud-based virtual assistant, Alexa, allowing viewers to check the weather, look up sports scores, play music. Um, Amazon said viewers will soon be able to control home appliances through Fire TV, a function available on the Echo. The company's personal aid gadget can control thermostats and lights. So Amazon, whatever you think about it, they're a big tech company. I'm Rob Black. Fed rate decision day. Who knows? It seems unlikely this time, but definitively by the end of the year. Who cares? Let's get it over the way. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. If they do nothing, Mark will have an upside move. It's my likely best guess. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.